This is Pull Up Your Chair with Cicely Simpson. Career-changing conversations with groundbreakers and thought leaders. Here's Cicely Simpson. Joining me this week is a friend and frequent collaborator. Her name is Eileen Ryan. Eileen runs an executive search firm and is the founder of Pounding Pavement 101, where she shares the deep secrets from the view of the recruiter. Eileen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Cicely. Before we get into Pounding Pavement 101, just give me some context about your career and as a recruiter. What's been your path to not only starting your own recruiting firm, but also Pounding Pavement 101? Through my career, I was a marketing director, and creative director, and a corporate trainer. So I was doing that for many years, and I was always in charge of hiring staff for my departments. And I just wanted to change uh, and pivot my career. So I went into the, the recruiting business, and it was interesting because as I was learning the business, I said, boy, I wish I knew then what I know now. It would have made my job searches much more successful. And that's when I said, gee, there's information here that recruiters are holding close to their chest. They're not sharing it with job seekers, and job seekers are confused. And if I could just share that information and tell job seekers exactly what I'm looking for as a recruiter and exactly what I'm listening for during an interview, then they'll get noticed, they'll get hired, and everyone goes home happy. So that's when I created my program, Pounding Pavement 101, to share those inside secrets with the job seekers. That's awesome. I love the name, Pounding Pavement 101. I mean, that's that's awesome. So let's talk about the current environment right now. There are millions of jobs that are open. I've listened to the business types on CNBC opine about the current market, some of whom have called this a fundamental shift of the American workforce. Why do you think we're seeing these millions of jobs that are open now? And is it a fundamental shift or do you think it's something else? I think there's a couple of things going on right now. I think that workers were sent home and everyone was working remote. I think we were headed in this direction. I think that everyone has been trying to find that work-life balance. And now they're realizing, gee, you can work remotely. And look, a lot of the global companies have been doing this for years because the reality is you're taking a call from another country at an odd hour. What difference does it make if you're in the office or at home? Uh, so I think that's number one. Number two, I think, you know, a lot of people were let go during this pandemic and they're saying, okay, what's important in my life moving forward? First of all, I have to earn a living. And do I want the company to have control over my life or do I want to put up a shingle and go out and, and try to make it on my own? So I think that's also a little bit of a shift in terms of what people want to do moving forward. So is it fair to say then that it's a um, it's a candidate's market, like they're actually controlling the market given the availability of the jobs and the dynamics that you just described? Well, I think there's a couple of things going on with that as well. You know, I keep hearing it's a candidate-driven market, but then I have people who are struggling to find employment. So the candidates are looking for work, but the companies on the flip side are looking for the perfect candidate to fill their positions. So I think there's a mismatch going on between the two. Okay. But let me back up for a second, because you mentioned the pandemic, you mentioned sort of this remote hybrid 
uh, workforce. We are certainly in unprecedented times in that regard, for sure. So what do you think some of the long-term effects of the pandemic are going to be on the workforce and on recruiting in general? You know, it's interesting because there's actually a lot of jobs for recruiters out there. Because look, you know, with the pandemic, everything shut down. Companies let go of their recruiters. Recruiters had to go find work doing something else. Uh, so, you know, everything shifted. The same thing with restaurant workers, hospitality. People needed to earn a living. So they went to other industries because we never knew when we were coming out of this. So, I mean, I think that's part of the problem right there. But, you know, I go back to that companies are looking for those perfect fit candidates and they're holding out for that. On the flip side, the candidates need to work and, and job seekers need to learn how to market themselves so they fit into those positions. They have to sell themselves. And they really need to up their game right now. And I think that they're not realizing that yet. So there's still that mismatch between the two. I'm so glad you mentioned the marketing piece. I want to come back to that in just a second. But let me ask another question about this sort of remote situation, because I I definitely know people who are looking for jobs right now and you're, you're spot on. They're, they're waiting for the the job that says, Hey, you can work remotely. Uh, you know, you don't have to come to an office and that's, you know, that's the kind of role that they, that's the only role that they want. So are companies going to have to bend to the will of candidates if they find that right candidate that it's hybrid or nothing, or it's remote or nothing? I mean, is there a shift in the way that employers are going to approach employees that are going to sort of make that hybrid or remote environment here to stay? Well, you know, that's interesting because the companies, you know, they have this headcount that they have to follow. And if they wait too long to fill those positions, then, you know, the higher ups are going to say, okay, well, you've been doing okay without this position. So obviously mm -hmm. you don't need that because you haven't been able to fill it. So that becomes, you know, an issue as well. But the job seekers have to realize that if they're looking for remote positions, and a lot of people only want remote at this point. And look, it helps the family balance. They still get the job done. And, you know, the companies are realizing that now. But by going after remote positions, that means the candidate pool is larger. So the competition is greater to get those jobs. Because now, you know, someone who, you know, if the position is based in New York, but it can be a remote position, someone in Iowa can, you know, they can reach out to talent there. So now all of a sudden it's become larger and, and it's become more competitive. So Eileen, you mentioned this, a larger candidate pool. I mean, does that give a candidate the luxury to your point of looking anywhere in the country? Because you do have this larger candidate pool looking now. They do, I guess, in some ways set the terms of what they're looking for, whether it's remote or hybrid. I mean, this candidate pool is just going to get larger, right? So, so where's the... I don't even want to say it's a mismatch, but is it a mismatch between what the candidates are looking for and this, you know, 11, 12, 10 million jobs that are opening? Is that a mismatch? Yeah, there definitely is a mismatch going on. I mean, I, I speak to candidates and they're asking for things, not looking for a job, but they're coming to me and saying, well, you know, I don't have this perfect background. I want a remote job. 
I want a six-figure salary, I want X, Y, Z, and I'm looking at them and saying, you know what, there's got to be a little bit of flexibility. I mean, you're still in the job market, you're still pitching yourself to an account and, and to a company, and the companies are looking at that and saying, yeah, that's not going to happen. So there is a mismatch. Uh, and look, if the competition is that great, you still have to present yourself in a way that is going to attract a company to you. And, you know, there has to be a little bit of flexibility on both sides. That's where recruiters come in, to tell you the truth. Because we speak to the companies, we speak to the candidates, and we, you know, play the the matchmaker in between. That makes a lot of sense. And I'm glad you mentioned the recruiter coming into this, because I want to ask you about your program, Pounding Pavement 101. Tell me about that. I mean, listen, I know you're sharing your inside secrets, and I know you've got... A lot of insider tips um, that you and I talked about before, but tell the listeners right now uh, all about Pounding Pavement 101. Pounding Pavement 101 uh, came about because I heard of a lot of job seekers who were saying they just can't find a job. Uh, the program has been around for seven years, and they thought the job market was broken. They didn't understand how to navigate it. And as soon as I took a look at what they were doing in their activities, I said, well, this is why you're not getting calls. This is why you're not getting offers. And I showed them exactly how to do it. So I created this program that is getting people hired who have been looking 9, 10, 12 months on their own. And in four to six weeks in my program, they're getting hired in their career field, in their dream jobs, not just a job, but a job they actually are excited to get up in the morning to go to. That's awesome. So when I come back um, a couple minutes ago, we, we talked about marketing. How to market yourself. Is that the number one obstacle that people have to overcome when they're looking for a job? Or is there something else that, that really is that mental block they have to overcome? I, I think it's the full package. People come to me and say they need a resume. And I say, no, you don't need a resume. You need a job. The resume is the tool to get you there. And I look at a job search like it's a marketing project because you're marketing yourself to employers the same way that you market a product to the marketplace. As I said, I used to be a marketing director and creative director. So I used to market products. Now I'm marketing people and I'm showing them exactly how to do it. So I, I look at this in three steps. Number one is you need a resume, but you need to develop your resume. I don't believe in resume writers because you know your background better than anyone. You just need someone to show you exactly how to set it up so this way the recruiters notice it. Because as a recruiter, I look at about 500 plus resumes a day. I go a little bleary-eyed. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but... So you've got about five seconds to catch my attention. And if it's not set up properly or if it's not, and it's not only about the template, it's about the template, it's about the content, it's about how it's organized, it's an exercise in information graphics. The resume's job is to generate calls. It's that simple. And if you're not getting calls off your resume, then you need to do something different. Huh. Part two in this is you need to prepare for an interview based on how the recruiters are, what they're actually listening for. Because what I find is most people just walk in and wing it and they think, well, you know, I'm just answering questions about myself. No, you need to know how to sell yourself. But, you know, there's that fine line between cocky and confident. Okay. But you need to say it 
based on what the recruiters are actually listening for. And then part three of any job search is you need a strategy. Just like any project that you take on, if you have a strategy, you have a plan, that's going to make you successful. Because look, if you have a great resume and you interview well, but you're the best kept secret in town, then no one's going to know you're out there. Mm-hmm. You need to create immense amounts of visibility for you. You need to know where the jobs actually are, where the recruiters are searching, so you can put yourself in front of them to get noticed and hired. It's a three-step process, and most people just think of it as a one-step process. I love that three-step. That's such a great point, especially when it comes to the resume. I mean, you're spot on. People don't think of a resume as that opportunity to tell their story or build that brand or or make that first impression. You know, they don't think the resume is that market building, um, you know, tool. And so, you know, it seems like that's an opportunity missed just to send a resume out and not have their proper positioning, let's say, uh, on it. So, but you said you don't believe in resume writers. So then do you teach folks how to write that resume or, or tell me a little bit more about that resume piece? Because I think that's the piece that people miss most often. You know, most people, when, when they go to write a resume, quote unquote, uh, they're like deers in headlights. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) They're staring at that white sheet of paper and they just don't know where to even start. Uh, and I see so many bad resumes. Uh, you know, they go, be, people are going to career centers. And what I'm finding is, is that they're setting them up and they're writing them the way we used to in the 1980s. Mm. Things have changed. It's time to up your game. Uh, and I see this in colleges across not only the United States, across the globe. They're really doing a disservice because they're really whitewashing these resumes without any detail. So I'm looking at the resume and I'm saying, well, I don't know what they actually do. I don't know what their actual experience is. They're just so generic that I don't want to call the person. So people are spending hours upon hours applying for jobs and they're wondering why they're getting ghosted. And when they come into my program, I show them exactly how to set it up and what to be putting on there based on their backgrounds so this way they can go after the exact job that they want and they're getting it let me go to step two you said it was um step two was the interview piece of the equation so when you talk about preparation do you coach your clients to prepare differently for an online or phone interview versus in person i mean is there a difference I prep them completely. (laughs) I don't leave anything to chance. I want to increase their chances exponentially of of closing that deal. I always look at it, um, if you've ever watched Shark Tank, okay? If you were going on Shark Tank and you were pitching a million dollar deal, you would do everything in your power in order to land that account. You'd probably get a speech coach, you'd get a marketing coach, you'd get a branding coach, you'd put all this together. And you would make sure to know all your numbers as well. So I'm preparing them to go in and basically pitch themselves because they're pitching themselves to a company, to a hiring manager, and asking them to spend a lot of money for them to do a job. So they need to to have answers prepared because the reality is that 75% of all interview questions are the same. So if that's the case, 
study, prepare, but do it not on the generic answers that you're seeing on the internet. Do it based on what are the recruiters actually listening for in your responses, and it will make all the difference in the world in your interview. So, okay, so if that, that preparation is, you know, key for the interview, then step three you said was a strategy. And recently I had someone reach out to me on LinkedIn. We were just LinkedIn connections. I've never laid eyes on this person. Uh, and he asked me to make a connection to someone that I had worked with previously uh, in his job search. So I want to ask you two questions about that. One, is social media a proper piece of that strategy? And then two, I mean, is it okay just to reach out to people you don't know on social media just because there's <laughs> just because there's a mutual connection? I mean, I, listen, that and that may be a you know it's a sort of a two part question there, but I have to admit I've never done that, so I was quite surprised when I got this. Hey, you don't know me, but you know so and so. So can you connect me to them? And I thought, you know, and the guy came back to me and he said, "Do you know him?" And I thought, I can't lie. No, I don't. I've never worked with them, but. You know, how do I, I don't know, I was trying to, you know, help put my best foot forward in terms of the connection, but he asked the obvious question, which is, do you know him? And I was like, well, you know, actually, I, I don't. So, so talk to me about those two pieces. One, the leveraging of social media as part of that visibility strategy, but then also two, I mean, is it really a good idea to reach out to someone that you don't know to ask for a connection? Well, social media has become a huge part of this. Uh, okay. And if a job seeker or business owner, if they don't have a LinkedIn profile at this point, then they need to get one. And actually, I was just speaking with a student yesterday, or sorry, new graduate, uh, who did not have a LinkedIn profile yet. And she almost looked confused at me. I said, look, and she, she's in my program now. I said, we need to create a LinkedIn profile. You need that professional presence out to the world right now. So yeah, social media has become a, a big part of this. And I will add an asterisk to this. Clean up your social media accounts, your personal yeah. accounts. Okay. Exactly. You know, the companies do look and they do check. So, you know, any negativity or anything that doesn't make you shine, is that a nice diplomatic way to say it? Anything that doesn't make you shine, <laughs> uh, take it off. Okay. Put it in the archives uh, because Everything is out there and people are looking. The second piece of that is actually um, reaching out to people you don't know through LinkedIn. I mean, do you recommend if there is a mutual connection that, that a job seeker do that? No. You know what? I, I, I'm, that means I'm putting my reputation on the line and connecting me to you. And if I don't know you, then why would I do that? Why would I connect you with a friend of mine unless I know you? Look, the reality is people do business with people. It's that simple. You need to build relationships. And I tell everyone, build relationships with recruiters. Because, look, they may not have a job for you today, but if, I, if that person checks in with me occasionally, we just have conversations, and a job comes across my desk, a great opportunity Okay, and Joe has been in touch with me all these years. Well, guess what? I'm going to have Joe on my mind and I'm going to reach out to him first. So, yeah, you know, and I have people, people who will call me out of the blue as a recruiter. And I just had someone last week called me and says he wants a job and he wants a six figure salary and he's looking for remote. And he's looking for this. And I'm like, okay, send me your resume. And I took a look and it was terrible. 
And wow. I said, look, we need to fix the resume first. But I didn't know him. I didn't know a connection of him. He just called me cold. That puts people off. They're not quite sure what to make of it. So, you know, it's great that he reached out to you, but you don't know him. If a right. friend or someone who you built a relationship, even an acquaintance, you know, that you know them in some way, shape or form reaches out to you, okay, you know, you'll consider it, but just to have a cold call out of the blue, yeah, I, you know, I wouldn't refer them. Look, these are people's livelihoods. I take nothing more seriously than this, okay? They need to be able to earn money in order to live. It's that simple. You know, I want to be able to help as many people as possible to get hired, but there's got to be some sort of relationship before reaching out cold and before putting your reputation on the line. Well, and you're right, because we've all been there. Um, We've all been in that spot where we needed someone to give us that chance or somebody to make that connection. Totally get it. All right, well, hang on, Eileen. We have to stop here, but coming up in the second part of my talk with Eileen, the founder of Pounding Pavement One-on-One, Eileen's going to share how her daughter became one of her most successful clients. She wound up landing her dream job in four weeks. She had multiple interviews going on, multiple offers, and eventually she took her dream job. And that was a job actually she really wanted when she first went to college. So we were so thrilled for her. This has been Pull Up Your Chair with Cicely Simpson. To connect with Cicely and learn how to change your career, go to cicelysimpson.com.